What's up, Wanksteins? We're um, here to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah, we are. All four hours and two minutes of absolute shit. <laughs> <laughs> we're here to talk about, well, we're going to do a commentary of Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. So if you want to get your, uh, your, your uh, uh, what the fuck's it called? Timeline? Yeah. Get, get your Disney Plus set up, put the timestamp to zero. That timestamp, that was the word I was... Yeah, get that timestamp set up. Press play in three, two, one. Start off strong, 20th Century Fox. Yes. Rest in peace, rest in peace. Fucking I say. <laughs> I'm Rupert Murdoch, the billionaire tyrant. That's an app description. There's Lucasfilm, the company that Kathleen Kennedy destroyed. Well, she gave us the Mandalorian. No, John Favreau gave us the Mandalorian. She gave us dog shit. Star Wars, episode three. I liked the rise of Skywalker. I mean, it's all right. It's it's a decent enough little conclusion, but there's just the charm's gone. The magic is completely dead. Eh. Well, if that's true, but that happened after the prequels, so yeah, fair enough. Dude, I, I remember when this was coming out. It was just like everyone was kind of hyped about it. For the first time in high school, I actually had friends who went to go see a Star Wars movie with me. Oh, imagine having friends. I know. For that brief period in the summer of 2005. And it wasn't just like, you know, a bunch of lads. I, there, was, there was girls, there was attractive women. Oh my god. I went to go see this with me, yeah, I was flirting away and everything. It was a wild wee time. Why would they do that? Um, apparently because Star Wars was suddenly hot. Oh. And they were like, wait a minute, you, you know about Star Wars? Oh, Steve. Despite the fact that they just made two fucking movies. I know. But yeah, like, everyone was, was hyped as fuck for this, because I, I even remember my um, technology teacher, whenever the trailer for this dropped, and I mean the teaser trailer, he had a laptop set up in his office, and I, he went, oh, it's, it's dropped, the new Star Wars trailer's dropped, does anyone want to come see it? And like about five or six of us ran into the room. With everyone else looking at us going, fucking nerds. Do you know what? I kind of dig this opening. This was supposed to be two hours? This opening battle was two hours long. Originally, yeah. 
So yeah, apparently this entire movie was four hours long, and this section was two hours in itself. Holy Christ, why? George Lucas, Cancer McCallum. Like, uh, uh, right, okay, a four-hour movie's fine. I have seen the Snyder Cut. That's alright, as long as the pacing's good. But, like, two solid hours of the Clone Wars, like, the... I take it this is supposed to be, like, the big final battle of the Clone Wars. Because that's how the, the cartoon series ends, isn't it? Like, it's, it's kind of intercut. Because you see Anakin going off to get uh, Palpatine back again. So this is supposed to be it. This this is how it all ends. Uh, yeah. Well, I think Grievous' death is the end. Yeah, but like this is supposed to be the big final confrontation, where just like ships in the sky, shit's blowing up. Did you enjoy the Snyder Cut? Yeah, I dug it. I actually thought it was great because I watched it as the little individual chapters. Like, I, I took a break. I treated it like it was some sort of TV miniseries. And it kind of works, oddly enough. Like, it, it works a lot better than sitting down to watch it, you know, the full four hours in one go. I watched it all in one hit. What'd you make of it? I, I liked it as little as the first cut. Really? Yeah, I didn't like it that much. He doesn't understand the characters in any shape or form. I know, like, but in terms of them being the actual comic book characters, yeah, they are just all over the fucking place. But in terms of the tone in this universe that he's going for, it seems to fit a lot better. Like, I enjoyed the the the, the more character side of things. Like, I enjoyed what they did with Cyborg. They essentially made him the heart of the movie. I enjoyed the Flash in it as well a lot better. Like, his introductory scene, I really enjoyed, but... Um, Cyborg stuff is ripped straight from the comics. Uh, straight from the comics, yeah. Okay, well then, yeah, I can see why I enjoyed that bit then. The only, oh, in the epilogue, it was crap too. Oh, the epilogue was dog shit. I'll agree with you on that. Like, like straight after the main battles where it should have ended, because see all that shit with like the 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 future flash forward stuff, whatever the fuck it is. Like that was pure cringe. I don't know who the fuck wrote that, but it's dialogue straight from a fan fiction. The bit with Batman going like, "Oh yeah, when I held Harley Quinn in my arms when she was bleeding and dying," it was like. That, that's fucking... A 15-year-old wrote that in his bedroom on his MacBook. What What the fuck? What am I listening to? Snyder is an edgy team. It was just such shit. Like, the Martian Manhunter stuff as well. Like, how more crowbarred into a movie can you get? Like, Lois and Martha have this... Martha! Have this lovely conversation where like they sit and they talk about grief and loss and about how Lois needs to come back to the world again. That turns out it wasn't even Martha. Yep, ruins the scene. Yeah. Well that's actually how um Godzilla vs Kong ends. Kong What with Martha? Yeah. <laughs> Kong is beaten by Godzilla and Kong says Mothra and then Godzilla says Why did you say that name? <laughs> oh you gotta you gotta hit that low hanging fruit, don't you? 
And they were both Warner Bros, so makes sense. Oh, jeez. Now, as a 15-year-old myself, whenever this came out, I have to admit, I loved this scene. Just lightsabers, lots of action. Like, the bit where the, 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 the ship crash lands and Obi-Wan jumps out of it, ignites his saber midair, and just starts ripping through battle droids. I was like, yeah, yeah, this is my jam. I'm fucking digging this. More if it was a real set. I feel like it, the video game should have been much better. Because I did play the episode 3 video game on PS2, and I was waiting for that scene to pop up. Actually, no, I wasn't. I tell a lie. I got the video game before the movie came out. I think it was... Uh, what the fuck did I call it? Star Wars Tuesday or something? Because I went up town with the little money that I had. I bought the episode 3 video game for the PS2. And I bought like a little shitty lightsaber toy and I was like, ah, this is fucking class. I was sitting playing the video game and then sitting in the cinema watching the movie, I was like, why couldn't we have had this scene in it? Because they changed the um, the storyline about a bit in the video game, probably for spoilers because it came out before the movie came out. And I was sitting watching it in the cinema going like, I, I wanted to play that scene. Why couldn't we have had like a big fuck off arena of battle droids you can just cut through like they were butter? Oh look, there's R2 hiding behind something. There's a little callback to episode 4 where he hides behind the rocks. Yeah, yeah, he's not in the movie at all. Because we want to put the focus on the shitty new characters. It's BB-8 I enjoy as a new character. Yeah, I like BB-8. I think I wasn't as obsessed with him as most people seem to get, but... I thought he was he was a fun update to the R2-D2 role. Yeah. But I think that's the trouble because with Force Awakens in particular, what they're trying to do is essentially remake A New Hope. So it's like, okay, well, we have to have the Han Solo character. We have to have the Princess Leia. We have to have the Luke Skywalker. We have to have R2-D2. You know, so as much as I like BB-8, it was like... You can see what they're doing. They're trying to jam him into this character hole, essentially. It's it's still the best of Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a well-told, competent story. Would you say... Well, that's because it was written by George Lucas. Um, that's the story Yeah, he seems competent enough to write a script. I, I think his big problem is dialogue. Oh, yeah. He doesn't he, he, he doesn't know how to write dialogue for shit. It, it, it feels... Yeah. It, it feels like in, especially the prequels, he needed someone to come in and give it a little bit of a polish and punch it up a bit. Like Rick McCallum. Yeah, like the... the <laughs> fucking Rick McCallum. Oh, that... That gobshite, Mr. Fucking Yes Man. Uh, it's so dense. It's, yeah, we know you're dense. Fuck off. 
but it's like poetry; it rhymes. Yeah, no, it doesn't, George. It's it's just shit. But <laughs> but no, like I think if you look at all three movies, there is good structure there. There's like de- decent beats where there's like plenty of action. Maybe not Phantom Menace, but certainly with Attack of the Clones and this, they feel very reactionary to to how Phantom Menace was received. No, I'm not saying they're good. I'm saying like there's there's good elements to them, but for the most part, they're just way too cheesy. The biggest problem is pacing. Is pacing? Yeah, like sitting and standing and talking and that's half of these movies yeah it's it's not directed in a way that is kinetic or engaging and i think a big problem with that is whenever george lucas first started on the likes of thx or american graffiti it was a physical set and the way that directors used cameras was vastly different from the digital age and of course you have to remember with this as well the digital age is still very much in its infancy i i, I don't think we'd ever seen something attempted like this before where the majority of the sets were created after the fact like it was all just green screen and i think that was george lucas like you can see it like particularly with um, phantom menace going from phantom menace to attack of the clones you can see a big change occurring where George was like, I'm, I'm not sure if this is going to look good, but I'm just going to try it and see what happens. I don't think they looked good even at the time, though, and they definitely don't hold up now. No, 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 they definitely don't. But what, what I'm saying is this is almost like an experiment. Oh, yeah. It's... It, I'm not saying it's, 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 a, it's a failed experiment. I'm not saying it's a good experiment. Yeah, because what, what, what George Lucas... I feel like he's the guy that's always going to be playing second fiddle to his friends. He's always going to be playing second fiddle to Spielberg. So what he does instead is go, okay, what can I create that's completely brand new that my friends can then use in a better way? You know, and like influences from these can even be seen as far as like Indiana Jones 4, where that entire jungle section was all CGI and it's just dog shit. It's so bad, like, I mean, it took us, like, I I genuinely think without what George Lucas was trying to do in these movies, we wouldn't have got the volume for The Mandalorian, you know, because like the, the volume in The Mandalorian is probably the right way forward in terms of trying to create digital sets, because you have something that's actually there. It's something that you can look at and the actors can react to. Whereas with this, it's also wooden and staged because there is fuck all going on around these people. It's a vast sea of green nothingness. The Mandalorian, let alone being just a great show in general, is when you watch the behind the scenes stuff, is amazing. Yeah, it's incredible because what essentially they've done is they've done what I would do to create a meme. Because of a 72-inch TV, it's not the biggest TV in the world. It's certainly not a patch on the volume. But it's big enough that I can frame myself with the TV behind me. And you can't tell it's a TV. So, like, I can put pictures and stuff up on it, take a photo of myself in front of it and go, Oh, hey, look, I'm here. Hey, look, I'm there. Ha, 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 ha. You know, it's clearly fake. It clearly looks like a bit of a joke. But that's essentially what they're doing on a, on a gigantic level. 
Come with a video game. Yeah, it's fantastic. Notice how we try and not talk about this movie as much as possible while we're watching it? Well, I think we're, we're, we're definitely talking about elements of the movie. Oh, is that the lady shave again there, Annika? Let's just hold <laughs> Yeah, but... Like, what, what else is there to say about these fucking movies? I mean, like... I like this stuff. Not R2-D2, but, like... I like <laughs> the idea of changing the geometry of a set and of a scene. Yeah. So, like, they're... they're they're having to like walk down an elevator shaft. It's very Poseidon adventure. There is a um, for the I said before we started recording that I just got back from a showing of Godzilla vs Kong. I'm just going to date this, yeah. but whatever. There's a scene in that movie where um, I it changes geometry and I didn't know what was up or down or um, I, I like the scene, but it was um, okay. But see, I enjoy things like that, because like, you look at George Lucas, and he's always going to be that perpetual kid that's lying on the, the carpet of his bedroom floor, playing with his action figures. He's, he's got that childlike creativity to him. And I, I like things like that, but the trouble is, it's like I said earlier, you need someone else to come along and polish it. You need someone to come along and go, okay, well this doesn't really work properly, that doesn't really work properly. And with George Lucas, what he's trying to do is go, no, everyone else fuck off. I've made my money. I can, I've proven that I can bring good, decent stories to, to the, the mainstream. I'm going to do this all on my own. No studio interference, no people breathing down my neck, and this is going to be my true vision. Now, whether that's a good vision or not is debatable. For the most part, no, it's not. But you have to appreciate the guy just sitting there going, "Yeah, fuck it. These are my stories. This is exactly how I want this to be." I don't actually. I don't. I feel at least that that's not how that happened. I think everybody else, like he was working with completely new people, and they were there scared out of their pants, and they're like, "Holy shit, it's George Lucas. We can't say that he's yeah. bad." I think he can take criticism fairly well. Obviously, he had to an Empire and Return of the Jedi, but. But the thing is, it, it ultimately all flows through him, so who he chooses to work with, like, that, that is bound to be from him. So he's probably chosen people that would just be like, yeah, no, it's great. Maybe he did that unintentionally, but... Yeah, but whatever the fuck happened with these, it's pretty clear he needs someone to, to sort of put the brakes on a little bit and go, okay, this is too excessive, this is too extreme... I mean, it is literally, not to, to mince words or anything like that, but it is literally Zack Snyder. Like, you, you need someone coming in and going, you're not releasing a four-hour cut of fucking Justice League, we're cutting it down to two, piss off. Well, that's exactly what happened with this movie. It was going to be four hours and they cut it. Yeah. But I think that was ultimately probably down to movie studios going, we're not taking a four-hour fucking Star Wars movie. Yeah. And like diminishing returns from the last two, diminishing reviews from the last two. There's no way in Christ we are going to, re to release a four-hour movie. Release the Lucas cut, I say. Yeah, bring it on. It's just filled with nothing but just more space battles that make fuck all sense, crap CGI, and characters that are completely irrelevant to the plot. It's actually just four hours of Ewan McGregor saying hello there. 
I'd take that. <laughs> I'm sure there's a YouTube video of it. I'm pretty sure there is. There's a four hour, there's a fucking 10 hour, 12 hour, infinity hour cut of every scene in this movie on YouTube at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like just Obi-Wan kicking the fuck out of these guys. That There's a 12 hour cut of that. There's a 12 hour cut of, of fucking Anakin going, my new empire. You know, like, that's just the internet. Do it. Although, to be fair, like, a lot of kids seem to dig these movies. Well, they were kids when they came out. Yeah. Like, so obviously something's gone right there. Where they're like, oh, these are fun. Like, look at the big bad guy. He's a robot, but he's also an alien. Oh, he's cool. He's got four lightsabers. They spin like windmills. I was two when this movie came out. Fuck off. You were two. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Just dig my grave now, why don't you? But, even as a kid, I knew that these were bad, and I much preferred the originals. See, I think there's that type of kid that would be more like yourself, that's that's very sort of analytical, even though they don't really understand it. They just watch it and go, this is kind of shit. You know, like, yeah... Whereas there's kids like me that would be watching this. Like, I know for a fact, had this come out when I was a kid, I'd have been like, uh, the, the bored and talky bits, I didn't really like those. But like the, the bit with the lightsabers, ah, oh, fucking class. I I did like Grievous in this. He's a very interesting character. He's certainly a character that we haven't really seen before. Um, yeah, mainly because he is, what is his emotion captured? I think it would have had to have been. I think maybe there was a tennis ball, but I don't think it was motion capture. Holy shit. But, I mean, I saw a video, what was it, last year, year before, and it was General Grievous walking through a field, or like walking beside some trees, and I was like, is that CGI? That's a really good render who done that. It was a cosplay. Someone had done a cosplay of Grievous, and they'd hid their body inside his cape. So, like, the, the entire body, like his legs, his torso, everything, was all a prop. They'd actually built it. It was, it was essentially a marionette. It was a puppet. And they'd hid the rest of their body inside his cape. I'll have to look for that. That sounded interesting. It, it's fucking class. Because like, it's one of those things, you know, it's one in the morning, you're scrolling through Facebook, and, like, you just land on this video, and it's General Grievous walking around in a field, like, in a forest. And I was like, oh my god, because it genuinely, like, it, it tricks your mind because you're so used to this character being CGI that you just, even on a subconscious level, you believe this can't be real. But the more I looked at it, I was like, that is a fucking cosplay. That's really there. Yeah, to be fair, I think Grievous probably holds up the best in this. He still looks pretty realistic. Definitely, like the, the, um, the spaghetti western standoff he has against Obi-Wan later on where you see close-ups of his eyes and, like his masks all scratched and shit like it's so good I think it's probably where most of the budget went that explains why this looks like um, trash a turd shooting out of someone's anus at high speed yeah very unpolished it's great you've got your 9-11 imagery in there with the tower collapsing that's great I must say, Ian McDermott gives great performances in all of these. 
Yeah, it just seems as as the movies go on, particularly the prequels, he knows what type of movie he's making. And he just embraces the shit out of it. He says, yeah, okay, you want me to be the evil, cackling bad guy who's bad just because bad. Now, I think we just missed it, but there was a Millennium Falcon cameo. Ah, but apparently that was a different Corellian fighter. It wasn't the actual Millennium Falcon. It had the radar dish, which means it was modified. So... Yes, because only one spaceship in the entire galaxy can be modified. Well, but the, the YT-1300 freighters don't typically have a radar dish in that exact position. The Falcon has one there. So I'm... Yeah, but 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 after the release of Solo, a Star Wars story, <laughs> we, we, we know that this this is a different Corellian freighter. You and McGregor's good in this as well. Yeah, he tends to be good in most things. I like him as an actor. I'm really genuinely looking forward to it. If they can just stop fucking with it and just make it and release it, I'm really looking forward to the Disney Plus series. I think the problem is that the plot is basically the Mandalorian. He's got to look after a kid that is Force-sensitive and, you know... I wonder, does he meet with him? Like, like do they meet up? Yeah, he has to, because Luke knows who he is. Yeah, but like whenever I was a kid watching for, um, New Hope for the first time, I always got the impression that everyone kind of knew of him, but like they they never really talked to him. I think they like, probably never had a sustained conversation, but maybe. Yeah, it, to me, it always came across as like an old wives' tale that uh, Owen and Barry would tell him around the the dinner table while they're drinking the blue milk. Like, uh, yeah. Stay, stay, yeah, stay away from that, um, stay away from that crazy old hermit. He'll touch you in your sleep. Yeah. Hayden Christensen isn't these is bad. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've nothing new to add there. Yes, he is. He's a horrendous, horrendous performance in both these movies. What about Natalie Portman? Is she... She's kind of middle of the road, I think. I've never really rated her as an actor, to be fair. She just plays Natalie like, Portman? Any... Yeah, anything I've seen her in, be it Heat, be it these movies, be it the Thor movies, be it anything she's been in, she always gives that same kind of drab performance. It's like, uh, she's basically like, um, oh, what what the fuck was she in? Uh, v for Vendetta as well. Like, she's she's essentially Julia Roberts without the charisma. <laughs> and a smaller mouth. Very much so. But I, I, again, I, I don't think it's anything to do with, with her as an actor, particularly in this. But if you give her good dialogue, if you give her good emotions, I think that's what's missing from the prequels in general, is emotion. The, the, there's just nothing there. Everyone just is a cardboard box and just rams off their dialogue. They don't look invested in it, they don't look interested in it, and I think that comes from the fact that George Lucas, whenever he's directing these, 
isn't coming up to the actors and going, okay, try this, try that. He's going, he's, he's sitting with his coffee cup behind the camera going, yep, that was great, next scene. He can't direct actors. No. And then that's, again, that, that's the parallel between these, between the sequel trilogy and between The Mandalorian. Where John Favreau, he's an actor's director. He he was an actor first and foremost, and then became a fully fledged director. He's been in the game for a long fucking time, and he knows how to direct his actors. That's why you get stellar performances across the board in The Mandalorian. Whereas with this, everyone essentially acts like an action figure being played with on the living room carpet. And then in the sequel trilogy you have wild inconsistencies because the directors don't know what the fuck's going on. They don't even know if this scene's going to be in the final cut of the movie. So it just comes across as this weird hodgepodge. I, any good director should know how to act. Yeah. Or at least have studied enough. Yeah. To know what, what emotion that the actor should be like portraying at the time. Like, with this scene where it's essentially a CGI character talking to a hologram, it's just evil. Just be evil. And that's fine, that works. But whenever you have proper conversations, like, the only time that I ever really kind of felt anything between Anakin and Obi-Wan, because they're supposed to be best mates, they're supposed to be the Riggs and Murta of the Star Wars universe. Like, they're supposed to have that, that, that whole fucking dichotomy between the two of them. And the only time I ever kind of felt that was the last scene where they say goodbye to each other in this movie. And that's it. And that is very rough compared to the rest of the movie, where it's just nothingness. Yeah, um, a lot of people, well, people that have watched The Clone Wars would say that that's far more prevalent there. Yeah, but that, that's The Clone Wars. That's, that's not the movies. It's a completely different thing. The Clone Wars essentially exists to fill in the backstory. So you, you, you almost kind of have to watch The Clone Wars if you want to get any type of emotional resolution from these movies because they're, they're just nothing. It's like, um, what's a good example of it? It's, it's like that video game that you play where the main character does nothing and says nothing that you just play as them and you get to project yourself into the character. That's, that's, yeah, that's every character in these movies. They're all the main character from Pokemon. Some of the uh, transitions in this are horrendous. Yeah. Because, again, it's George Lucas. He's just, he's fucking about. He's just going like, okay, well, back in the 1970s, whenever I was making A New Hope, I wanted interesting scene transitions. We'll do wipes. Because that was a big thing in the, the Flash Gordon serials in the 30s. Okay, I've done those. What do I do in these to, to make them more 2000s? You know, because whenever the 2000s came along, I was there for it. I saw it happen. I made it happen. But, like, seeing the 2000s, everything had to be fucking extreme and edgy. It was the 90s on cocaine. Everything had to be, yeah, yeah, we're fucking insane. Yeah, look how crazy we are. Way. You know, like... This, this weird kind of mindset for like early 2000s movies. They had to be like that. So I think George Lucas was, as best he could, was examining the zeitgeist and going, 
yeah, okay, I need to change these up a little bit. Let's try this, let's do that. And the result is just a fucking shambles. Yeah, another big problem with this is the camera doesn't move much. Like, they're almost all static shots. Yeah, because they can. It's, again, it's that thing that I was talking about earlier where it just, everything's just a wall of green. And they can't really do, they can't motion track shots, I don't think, too well back then. So, like, for the most part, like, the battle sequences and stuff, they all have that. But for the scenes where they're all just sitting around and talking, it's just very, very still. It's very dull. Oh, it, it, the camera moved. <laughs> Holy shit! Slow down, George. Don't you love it when women just have their shoulders out? Oh... Yeah, with, with like, pearl necklaces around their arms. Oh... I bet you there's an entire, like, subculture on the internet that's just addicted to how Natalie Portman looks in this scene. Yeah, she's pregnant, oh... Well, yeah, there's a few fetishes in there, isn't there? Oh, yeah. It's the fact as well that, like, I've never really found Natalie Portman attractive. Really? And I think it's, I, I think it's because, like, I saw her in the likes of Heat and stuff whenever she was a kid. And, like, as an adult, she still has a very youthful face. So, like, I've never really sort of seen her as a woman, I suppose. Yeah, I've never seen her as an adult. I've always seen her as just, like, perpetually she is the kid from Heat. Leon the professional, yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting for like a, a scene in these movies where like Anakin bursts into the room, she's in the bathroom, she's cut her wrists. <laughs> and they take her down to like the Jedi hospital with like the guy's sewing her wrists back up going, ooh bah, ooh bah. She died of Big Sad. Big Sad. She cut her wrists. Lost the will to live, you see. Yeah. I think Palpatine drained her life force. That's how he knew she died. Yeah. I I tend to subscribe to that theory based on the fact that it's the only theory that makes the most fucking sense. Because how the fuck do you lose the will to live when you've just had two kids? Well, I remember when um, Carrie Fisher died. And it was a few days after that Debbie Reynolds died. And most people tend to agree that she actually did die of being sad. Yeah, no, I get that, but there's a massive difference between your child dying and and your basically your partner, your other half dying. Like, yeah, it's tough, and like I have my own real life experiences of seeing something like that take place, where a partner passes away and then the other partner kind of loses the will to live. But it's not instantaneous. Like, you don't just give birth after your husband's been killed in a car accident or something like that, and then go, well, lost the will to live, bye. Especially being, to quote the Terminator, uh, a young, healthy adult of breeding age. Like, do you know what it was? It was Romeo and Juliet. That's what George Lucas was, uh, like, trying to mimic, but ended up just copying the, the cliff notes of for Anakin and Padme's story. It's Romeo and Juliet. So, they have to die. 
it's like a three-day weekend that they fall in love and kill each other over, basically. Yeah, it's weekend at Romeo's. <laughs> That's what it is. And then all the other characters marry in it, Romeo and Juliet and Juliet. Yeah. Oh, walking and talking and a moving camera. <gasps> wow. Uh, yeah, but that set's real, isn't it? Like, there's CGI and stuff for the windows, and I think that hallway's behind them CGI, but I think for the most part it is actual, a proper constructed set. I don't know. Maybe the chairs. Oh, and, and look at the light fixtures on the walls. They kind of look like those droids that can fly and walk. Oh, look at that. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a little bit of foreshadowing. Well, was it really foreshadowing? They give it away in the Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah, I suppose. But it's, it's, you know what it is? It's just them just going like, oh, yeah, because that'll be cool. Yeah, look at that. And look, his office is red, and his lightsaber's red. Oh, yeah, we're so clever. So, it, yeah. He's got two lightsabers. He does? In the Clone Wars, he does. Oh, Jesus Christ. He fights Darth Maul and Darth Maul's brother with them and wins them. See, Clone Wars is a show that I tried to get into, but for the most part, I just watched the final series just because it was on Disney+. Plus. Don't watch the first two seasons is what I say. Yeah, I struggled. I really struggled because I, I like Star Wars. I really tried to get into the Club Wars, but I was just like, this is for kids, man. Like, I know I watch a lot of childish shit, but I feel like I should have, like, a five-year-old son that's sitting on the sofa with me watching it, you know? If you start at season three, or even season four, I think you'll appreciate some of the stories a bit more. Yeah. The show definitely ages with the audience. Yeah, CGI Yoda. Kiadi Mundi. Yeah, and his weird projected form. Like, how does this shit work? Like, like is he sitting, like, with the, the hologram projector in front of him, and, and it just perfectly matches to that seat? Don't question it. Yeah, just fuck it. Star Wars. Suspend the disbelief. But I'm doing so much of that already. So this is, until the very end, this is the last time they're together, isn't it? The, the scene whenever he goes off before Obi-Wan goes to fight Grievous, I think, is the last scene. I think this is the penultimate one. I think so. Because with this one, they're, they're quite confrontational with each other. And then I think Lucas realized, oh shit, we need a scene to remember that they're brothers. They're essentially best mates. So it'll be all a little more tragic later on. I don't know, It's it's been a hot minute since I last watched these. Oh yeah, I haven't watched these in years. Yeah, but I definitely remember there's another scene. Because this one is obi-wan going like oh you you have to go spy on the chancellor the the council wants you to spy on the chancellor and Ob and anakin's like no 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 mate he's my mate i'm not gonna fuck up fuck him over yada yada and obi-wan's like no the council's asking you i'm not asking you and then it cuts away to some other bullshit and then when it cuts back 
Obi-Wan's about to fuck off to fight Grievous and they have like a a best mates kind of conversation and I was like okay I dig that one I do like that conversation but this one is just all plot plot yeah plot yeah plot plot yeah, the colour in these is not, the colour grading isn't particularly interesting in these either I don't think it can be to be honest because like whenever they're shooting this stuff on set like for this sequence they knew they'd be standing at a window so like okay just like pour lots of yellows a little bit of orange in and that's about it but for the most part they're like okay we'll keep it as neutral as possible and we'll try and color correct it to match whatever the fuck it is the the visual effects people put in behind it it's all just like it's almost sepia tone yeah which was another problem i had with Zack Snyder's justice league yeah the it almost looks like it hasn't been color corrected in in the the, the Snyder Cup. I actually um earlier today I started doing a recut of the Snyder Cup. Oh yeah. And uh, I've already color corrected it, and it looks way better. I'll have to send you my uh, recut of uh, the twenty sixteen Ghostbusters movie. I haven't seen it. Um, don't don't. It's like not just because it's a bad Ghostbusters movie, because it's a bad movie. Uh, like even in terms of just being your basic modern day comedy movie, it is just so bad. It's it's not cut properly. The color correction of it is just way oversaturated. Like it genuinely like they all look like they're oranges throughout the entirety of the movie. I color corrected it just to make it fit more with um, how the first two movies were shot. Particularly the first movie.
apparently Paul Fee has a director's cut of 2016 Ghostbusters. It will have fuck all on the one that I've cut together, trust me. Like, even in terms of the colour correction, I graded it to look similar to how they shot the first 84 Ghostbusters movie, where it's a little bit more dark and gothic, and it genuinely works, and there's so much shit in that movie that's been cut out that needs to be put back in again. Like, there's an entire relationship between Melissa McCarthy's character and Kristen Wiig's character that's just left on the cutting room floor, and when you add that back in, it does make the movie good, but it makes it a lot better because there's there's proper emotional stakes this time. Yeah, that's always better as well. And all those rambling fucking jokes. I cut out like the there's there's a genuinely right there's a recurring joke in that movie about Melissa McCarthy trying to order Chinese food and she keeps getting the wrong order. And it just kills the movie dead each time that they do it. I cut that entire sequence out. There's an entire character called Benny who's the delivery guy that keeps showing up going like, hey, I got you this. And it's like, well, that's not what I ordered. Oh, bye. Like, I cut him out of the movie completely. Is Chris Hemsworth any good at that? Um, yeah, uh, like, he's alright, I guess. The most middling yeah I've ever heard. Yeah, like, okay, there's one bit in it that, I was watching it in the cinema, the first fucking time I ever saw it, and I laughed, and I don't know if I laughed because I thought it was funny, or if I laughed because the movie finally broke my brain. But there's a bit where, like, he's being interviewed right now. In my version of it, it's literally, do you want the job? Yes. Okay, you've got the job. Brilliant. Okay, we've got a receptionist. Kevin is our receptionist. And he's a bit of a meathead, so he's kind of thick. And, like, in the actual theatrical cut of the movie, Kevin needs to be seen by a psychiatrist or somebody because he's got brain damage. But... In my cut of it, it's more because he's focused on other things, that he doesn't take calls and that sort of thing. And he's he's almost being trained, is how I put it together. But the part I'm talking about is whenever he's first given a job interview. And that's where like the ghost tits scene comes from and all this stupid shit. And like a hot dog floating over a house, he's designed as their logo. Because a ghost is holding the hot dog and it's floating. Um... But there's one bit in it that I fucking died laughing at. And this is the, I don't know if it's funny or if it's making my brain hurt scene where he goes, can I bring my cat to work? And they're like, oh, well, we don't really allow animals in, in the lab. And he's like, oh, no, no, it's all right. He's a dog. His name is my cat. You named your dog my cat. No, 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 Mike Hat. As in his full name is Michael Hat. It's okay. He lives with my mom. And I was like, is, is that funny or am I, am, are brain juices leaking out of my ears? What's going on? If his name was Mike, maybe. I don't, I, yeah, it's never brought up again. It's literally just Chris Hemsworth sitting there trying to ad lib. I think that's the biggest problem with Ghostbusters 2016. They left in all of the ad libbing. And it's just blabbering nonsense. It's just none of it's funny.
Whereas in mine, more streamlined, more cut down. How uh, did you use 5.1 audio channels? Yeah, I did. How clean was the dialogue channel? Very clean. Really? Yeah. Because um, the Snyder Cut is not particularly clean at all. <laughs> it probably wouldn't be because they've got so much going on in it. The main problem is the music, which was another yeah. problem I had. That fucking, um, like, for as much as I like Junkie XL, that fucking Amazon theme. What the fuck is that? Why does that play all the fucking time? My score was horrendous. I didn't mind it. I like Junkie XL. I like this work on Mad Max. Oh, is that the old one or the new one? The new one. I haven't seen that movie yet. Oh, you need to check it out. It's fucking class. Such a good... The best action film ever made, don't they? Um, I'm not sure if it's the best action movie ever made, but it's certainly, like, it's up there. It's certainly one of my favourites anyway. Like, it's one of those movies where I'll forget about it, and then, like, maybe a year will slip by and I'll go, oh, yeah, crack out the Blu-rays, stick it on again. It's really great. There, there is no story whatsoever. It's basically, drive out to the desert, drive back. If I recall correctly, was that not nominated for Best Picture? It probably was, yeah. I mean, it's fucking beautiful to look at. And what I love particularly is that every single scene is directly centre-framed. So, like, your eyes aren't having to dart all over the place to try and follow the action and what's going on. You can just literally sit with your head pointed directly at the middle of the TV screen. Yeah, it is. Well, it's, it's not... Um, Ah, uh, fuck, what's the word? It's it's not symmetrical as a Wes Anderson movie, but it is just one of those films where you just point your, your head directly at the screen and you won't miss a thing. It was not an best picture. I can definitely see that. Yeah. Um, the one that won was Spotlight, though. Ah, right, okay, yeah. Because God, God forbid a big post-apocalyptic heavy metal nightmare movie wins uh, Best Picture Award. Well, the other movies that were nominated were The Martian. Again, I can see that. The Revenant. Yeah. The Big Short. Meh. Bridge of Spies. Fur. Brooklyn. Oh. Yeah, no, that movie. And Room. It's pretty awesome. Oh, yes. Yeah, this is the, the scene I was talking about. Where the two of them say their big goodbye before Obi-Wan fucks off. That's the only time, like, and it's more Ewan McGregor than it is Hayden Christensen, but, like, I like the emotion in this scene. Where, like, they're, they're genuinely saying goodbye to each other as friends. Only if Hayden Christensen's acting was better. If only the movie was fucking better. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. See that you get a real sense, like, oh, we're 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 best mates, we may never see each other again, but I don't want to leave things on a on a downer note after asking you to spy on the Chancellor. Do you think if the mo if the fat of this film is trimmed, that there's a good film hiding in there at all? 
Definitely in this one, yes. Not so much in the first two. Like, I think you could have easily taken the first two movies and mashed them together. And then this should have been your Empire Strikes Back. And then there should have been a third movie where Darth Vader is the big bad. Just make Rogue One episode three. Incorporate elements of Rogue One. I would say definitely. But for the most part, I think you're kind of missing something. Where immediately after he becomes Vader, well, that's it. The entire three movies is over. I think he should have become Vader at the end of this one. And it's symbolic of Luke losing his hand at the end of Empire. So, like, everyone's fucked. Everyone's at their low point. And I think we needed a little bit of a victory in a potential episode three. If this is episode two. So, just something where they go, okay, there's still hope. The kids are safe. And we can move on from there. You know? What if they did the opposite, where it's just... Um, Vader is the main character, and it's him slaying the remaining Jedi. Yeah, I would take that. Just because you need something of, like, a, a young Darth Vader that's just got the suit, it's just coming to terms with the fact that he's essentially part droid now, uh, and he's completely destroyed his life like he's completely fucked so like i would love just moments of regret from him and then the regrets replaced by anger and he just goes fucking berserk so like you could have like a, a sequence where he is vader he's tracked down one of the uh the, the elusive jedi that have tried to escape and they're going like anakin please like we trained together we worked together we we defended the galaxy together for fuck's sake please what are you doing and you have just that moment of regret from Vader before he finally just goes ballistic and chops him to pieces. There's a um, Star Wars theory on YouTube. Oh, yes. Fan film. Oh, yes. Is that the one that Lucasfilm were okay with and then suddenly weren't? Yeah, I think so. <sighs> Pile of bastards. I, I never... Uh, the dialogue seemed... As bad as these, really. Oh, well, that's fair, then. It fits in perfectly. Well, not if you want it to be good, though. Yeah, true. That was another problem with Justice League, is the dialogue is not special. Yeah, the dialogue is pretty much garbage. Then again, I, f I find that for most like big summer blockbusters these days, they don't really worry too much about it. It's just that exposition, 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 um, obvious emotional manipulation points, and that's kind of it. Movies used to care. They did, but now they care about making money. And what gets bums on seats? Big turn your brain off moments. As much as the MCU is just a big cash grab, at least they try. Yeah, I mean, like, there, there's some good examples of, like, great dialogue in those movies. Like, uh, Captain America, in particular, I love. Uh, especially the Winter Soldier. I think that's probably, like, the, the best example of what Marvel movies can do whenever they're, they're competently directed, shot, edited, and written. I think Guardians of the Galaxy is a good example of that as well. It is, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy is probably the best Saturday morning cartoon ever. 
Yeah. Ant-Man is a... Not a great one. Ant-Man's alright. I enjoy the first Ant-Man movie. But it's not. It's not Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, it's not Guardians of the Galaxy, no. It's not um, even Iron Man. Like, probably, like, whenever I first watched them, the first Iron Man movie kind of got me straight away, and that was kind of it. I was just like, yeah, it's brilliant. I love the characters. I love the direction. I love the tone that they took with it. Uh, I didn't feel that again until the second Captain America movie. And then Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously. And, you know, I enjoy them for the most part. They're, they're, they're competent enough movies. They're well enough made. that They don't annoy me. I don't think there's been a single Marvel movie apart from Thor The Dark World that actively annoys me as a movie. I love Iron Man 3. I don't get that. Tony's not there for all of the... For any of the, uh, the conflict, really. No, I dig the fuck out of Iron Man 3. I think it's mainly because I'm a big Shane Black fan. I, like, I love his, his type of humour. I love his storytelling. So like, I completely got what they were doing with Iron Man 3 right from the get-go. I think the only Shane Black movies I've seen are Lethal Weapon and Predator. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I would definitely recommend that. I would recommend you would watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang before you watch Iron Man 3 because Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is 2005 I think and Iron Man 3 is 2013 so it's probably the closest example of what you're going to get from Iron Man 3 where it is kind of you know pulls the rug out from underneath you it's very sarcastic with its tone and I kind of got that like watching Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and then watching Iron Man 3 I was kind of going, these kind of feel like they're set in the same universe. I think my problem with Iron Man 3 is the story, really. What in particular? Well, like I said, Tony's not there for any of the conflict until the end, really. Like, he's not there when Pepper's taken, he's not there when, you know, but the big problem is the Mandarin. See, I, I dug that. I thought it was a clever way to use a character which would essentially get you cancelled in today's climate, let's be honest. Well, he's the man the real Mandarin is coming back in Shang-Chi. Yeah, but I think that's reactionary to like people much like yourself who were looking forward to seeing the Mandalorian on the big screen or the Mandalorian, fuck me. The Mandarin on the big screen. And they were like well, okay, fine, fine. We had our fun, but we'll rework the character. And you know what? You still won't be happy with it. Because whenever he pops up in Shang-Chi, you'll look at it and go, that's not the Mandalorian. Uh, the Mandarin. Fuck. I'm watching Star Wars and trying to talk about Marvel. That's what it is. But they're both owned by Disney. Who cares? Yeah, fuck it. It's all one big collective universe of clusterfuckery. Um, see... There was a show around the time when Iron Man came out called Iron Man Armored Adventures. I remember that one, yeah. And the Mandarin is the villain in that, and he's actually intimidating, unlike Guy, uh, Guy Pearce. Yeah, okay, fair enough. 
I like Ben Kingsley in that role. He's fantastic. But the twist ruins it for me. I dug it. I can see why people wouldn't like it, but I dug it. I mean, you're never going to please everybody, no matter what movie you make. So. Very, very true, yeah. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are like, Justice League's the best movie in the fucking world! I love the Snyder Cut, it's brilliant. And you know what, if, if you did watch it, you watched all four hours of it, and you're like, this movie's fucking incredible. Brilliant. That's fantastic, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm sure there's people out there that enjoyed the fuck out of Ghostbusters 2016. Brilliant, glad you enjoyed it. I didn't. There are people in the Snyder Cut a masterpiece. Okay, well that's not going nuts, but... <laughs> well, there are people that call this movie a masterpiece as well. And you know what? Fair play to them. If, if they can genuinely watch this and get some real enjoyment from it, brilliant. I mean, they're wrong and they're brain-fucked, but... No. Yeah, true. But it's it's just all about what, what people are willing to forgive, what people are, are enjoying. I, I'm sure people that like this are probably very similar to myself when I was a kid. And they probably watch it going like, oh, this scene's class. Oh, look, he lost his lightsaber. Oh, my God, fucking brilliant. You know, like, they're, they're more focused on the visuals of it than they are the actual storytelling structure, the dialogue, the acting, anything like that. They're just there to have a good time. Like, those kids I went to see it with when I was 15. And, like, they all came out and were going, that movie was fucking class. You see the bit where he burned up to fuck at the end? Like, oh, it was fucking class. I'm sitting going, yeah, but it was a boring mismatch of bullshit before that point. What are you doing? Yeah. And I've made the argument online before that you're allowed to enjoy whatever you want, and I enjoy movies for what they are. But enjoyment does not equal good filmmaking. No, you can enjoy a movie while still going, it's very flawed. I like, I enjoy Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. It's a terrible movie, but I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's like a million and one movies I love, like uh, Wolf with Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer. Is he a werewolf? Yeah. I think that movie is flawed to shit, but it is one of my favourite movies for the performances. You've Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer, and James Spader all in a movie together. And it's mostly about... Uh, what the fuck would you call it about? It, it's almost in the lines of, like, a corporate movie uh, about businesses and, and takeovers and that sort of thing. But the metaphor behind it is the fact that they are becoming feral animals defending their territory. You know, and... I dig the fuck out of that movie, mostly because of the character interactions. Like, it turns into a complete fucking nightmare by the end of it. Where it's... They're not even proper werewolves. It's just Jack Nicholson with more hair added to him, James Spader with more hair added to him, and they fight each other in, like, a, a horse pen? And it's just nonsense. Like, it's, it's so schlocky and crap. But like, I stuck it on one night for Anthony and Catherine, and the three of us were hooked. Like, we know it's a bad movie, like, it, it's not directed in a way that would make it stand out or look very interesting, but at the same time, it just hooks you and engages you because the actors are so good.
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, for me, I can't look at anything with James Spader in it without thinking of uh, Secretary. With Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, you gotta check out Secretary. It's uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, oh. but actually done better. Was he in Crash? He was in Crash, wasn't he? I think so. That's a weird movie. That is a very, very strange movie. I think it was banned in a lot of countries. What, the, the movie where they have car accidents just to fuck each other? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can get that. I can get behind why that would be banned. I'd like to see a remake, but it's all characters. I want it to be the next Fast and Furious movie. The next one's in space, allegedly. Brilliant. Yeah. that's That just sounds like the direction that fucking franchise should have went a long time ago. I have not seen a single one of those movies all the way through. I tried, man. I really tried. Um, f the fourth one I kind of dug, uh, Ghost Protocol. I would recommend that more than any of the rest of them. Is that the one that Tom Cruise had to hold his breath for like seven fucking minutes? Is it? No, there, there was one, um, it's the one where he's climbing up the building in Dubai. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that that's the one that I would recommend. I don't know, it's been years, like I saw it in the cinema. So it's it's been a hot minute since I've watched a Mission Impossible movie. The last one was pretty good. Is that the one with Henry Cavill? Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to give it a go. Is it Cavill or Cavill? I don't know. He's British, so I assume it's Cavill. Like Corella Deville. I know we just going to This is the point of the scene, this cut to what they find. Yeah. I remember that vehicle. There were attempts for years to try and get something like that made in real life. Because like, you see it in uh, Men in Black 3 as well. And I remember, like, I was watching some show, it might have been the Gadget Show or something when I was a kid. As someone had essentially welded a big circular hoop onto a motorbike and they were trying to make that an actual vehicle. And I'm just looking at it going, haven't we already achieved all we needed to achieve with the motorbike? What the fuck does adding one big massive circular wheel that goes the entire way around it add to this? Wheel, that's what it is. It's just one big wheel. It's like the Marvel Comics character, big wheel. <laughs> I wish I was kidding. Oh, don't do that. That's uncivilized. Oh, no, Obi-Wan, what are you doing? That's so uncivil. I love that Grievous just burns like fuck. Fucking hell. I, as a kid, my favorite character from all the Star Wars. 
And you get to see him die in the most horrific way possible. In the movie, he's introduced him. Yeah. Pointless. Now I'm smart enough to know that Hans is Yes. Motherfucking Sith Lord! <laughs> See, these movies would be so much better if they had F-bombs. Yeah, definitely. Like, because Samuel L. Jackson works best whenever he is in that losing his shit mentality. English motherfucker, do you speak it? Has he ever been a leading man he was essentially a leading character in Lakeview Terrace, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he, he hasn't been a leading character in, like, a big, big movie, I think. Like, it's always been schlock, you know, like Lakeview Terrace or Snakes on a Plane or anything like that. For the most part, he's just the guy that shows up. Like, my favourite performance of his is Die Hard with a Vengeance. I absolutely love the fuck out of Zeus as a character. No, I didn't say my name was Hey Zeus. I said my, I said Hey Zeus. I said I'm so mad I'll shove a lightning bolt up your ass, Zeus. He's not even a leading man in Pulp Fiction. No, there is no real leading man in Pulp Fiction. No, that's what I kind of dig the most about Tarantino, though. Like, he doesn't go for your, your standard, oh, this is the protagonist. He's like, okay, here's a bunch of protagonists all doing some fucked up shit, uh, and just buckle up, we're in for a ride. I think his, some of his recent ones are different than, like, Django and Jay. Yeah, yeah. Forgot about Django. Yeah, yeah. See, this is a nice moment. Where the characters are just sort of allowed to breathe. Oh, he's about to kill a bunch of kids. Yeah, yeah, he's essentially about to go fucking fuck that mental. She is, okay, fair enough. In that sequence, she is gorgeous. But not in a I wanna fuck her type way. Like, she's gorgeous, like the way you would see, like, a little girl dressed up to go to church. You go, oh, she's so cute. Oh, you're adorable. Yeah, that's essentially one of the worst spaceships I've ever seen as well. Surprise, Ah, oh, meme. It's cheese and men. I love that the Jedi essentially have become space cops. Yeah. Where was he hiding that? In his sleeve? Yeah, he just has it up his sleeve. It's the other one up the other sleeve, sure. Sleeve, Palpatine, I see. 
Tyas leave Palpatine. There's Kit Fisto getting the fuck murder out of him. All three of those other Jedi have backstories in Clone Wars, but he just murders them. Yeah, it's just, yeah, fuck it, get fucked. Oh, oh. that CGI face replacement is horrendous. Oh, I live for this shit. It's so bad, it's brilliant. Palpatine was playing it up and Mace Windu couldn't have beat him? Uh, I think Mace Windu's given him a proper run for his money. Because uh, the way he dispatched those other three so quickly, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? I'm sure the Yoda is more powerful than Yeah, easily. And Yoda pretty easily fails. But then Yoda has that whole height deficiency thing going on. Yeah, but he's a kidnapping frog jumps around all over the place, so... Yeah, that still has to walk with a, with a cane. Oh, but he was using the Force! That's not how the Force works! Many clones! I did think, like, seeing this scene in the cinema for the first time, especially the part where they broke the window, and, like, just the sound mix of it, I was like, yeah, that's fucking badass. There are a lot of good elements to these movies. Ah, oh, brilliant. <laughs> Oh dear Jesus above, what was he thinking? That, like, that's what kills you in episode 9! Learn from this! And... episode... 6? Yeah, but he's... like, just turn the lightning powers off, mate. Like, it's, it's almost worse here and in episode 9, because... His, his own lightning is being deflected back onto his face. Just stop. I suppose it's like, it's a bit of a catch-22 because had he stopped the lightning, Mace Windu would have cut his fucking head off. But still. <laughs> yeah, but Yoda, Yoda could stop the lightning with the Force. So Mace could stop it with the Force then. Simultaneously cut his head off. In the video game, this leads to a fight sequence between Anakin and Mace Windu where you kill Mace Windu. Oh, son. What's really weird about the PS2 game is that it does have clips from the movie in it. Yeah, like actual clips. So, like, this sequence played out in the video game as a cutscene. And then, like, the bit where Anakin swings the lightsaber going, No! It then cuts to shitty PS2 cutscene of the, their two lightsabers connecting, and it goes from Samuel L. Jackson and Hayden Christensen to their shitty voiceover replacements. And it's such a jarring cut. That does seem very strange.
Yeah, because like you jump out the window and stuff, and like you're fighting along the rooftops of Coruscant, and then it ends with them jumping back into the office again for some reason, just so Anakin can kill him, and then it plays this sequence where he goes like, "What have I done? You're fulfilling your destiny, Anakin." And it's all cut, it's actual scenes from the movie again, and it's just such a bizarre game. Sounds stupid. It was literally just so they could go, Hey, look, do you want to get a glimpse of Star Wars Episode 3 before the movie comes out? Buy the video game. Only $40. I'd rather play Lego Star Wars. Lego Star Wars is the shit, man. It's so good. I wonder if the new one will be any. Um, I'd say it would be. Because all the LEGO games I've always enjoyed, I find them very creative and a lot of fun. Like, I even had the Indiana Jones LEGO game for the PSP back in the day. Ah, oh, so good. I enjoy Crystal Skull more than I enjoy these I would agree. I would agree. Like, there's... Okay... The trouble with Crystal Skull is that everyone looks at all the bad shit. They look at the fridge, they look at the, the gophers, they look at all the crap, the monkeys and the swinging on the vines and that sort of stuff. But buried in there, it, you almost have to be an archaeologist yourself to unearth the good stuff. Like, I love the, the conversations. I love the stuff with Jim Broadbent at, at the, the university. I love the stuff, um, like, after... Indiana Jones survives the scene where he's been nuked in a fridge and they have the whole interrogation sequence where he's just sitting there wearing a white t-shirt and it looks like something from a Fugitive sequel. It's brilliant. You know why that stuff works? Because Harrison Ford is a good actor. Well, because they're all good actors except maybe Shia LaBeouf and it was directed by Steven Spielberg, so... Yeah. Like, even the fight in, in the bar, you know, at the, the start of the movie. Like, I dig that. And, like, it turns into a whole chase sequence where they're on the, the motorbike and all. Like, I really like that sequence. Yeah. I think they could have done more with uh, the, the whole better red than dead, better dead than red thing. Just have the uh, the whole oh who can you trust thing and yeah they tried that with Mac like that the the sort of first sidekick that he has at the start of the movie where he, he keeps turning on people and yeah it's great but to what end yeah man I was hyped as fuck for Indiana Jones four are you excited is that up? That was the same summer that Iron Man came out as well, if I remember correctly. 2008. I thought Indiana Jones was that No, it was 2008. Transformers was 2007. Because I remember there was so much hype over it. And that was, ironically, that was the first time I got my first look at Iron Man. Because if you bought the, the Blu-ray whenever it first came out, or was it the DVD, and you played it out, like let all the credits fully play. It showed a trail the, the first teaser trailer for Iron Man at the end of it. I have the DVD that I might have. See I had the you know the big special edition one where the packaging transforms into Optimus Prime. 
I was like, oh, it's fucking badass. That's so cool. I actually remember going to the, the, uh, the store to buy the DVD. See, there's some good visual shit in this movie. Another problem is that these are prequels and there's no real weight to the action. Yeah, I mean, it looks great, but then you realise that what you're looking at essentially right now on screen is a cartoon. There is nothing real, there's no real elements to any of this. Except you and McGregor. <laughs> yeah. So this scene, without any CGI, is literally Ewan McGregor sitting on a big green box. If they even bothered with that, it might just be a desk chair. See, it, it is just all a case of tying up loose ends now, isn't it? Like, oh, how do we get rid of all the Jedi? Oh, Order 66 and fuck it. We're hard, we're only just more than half like this. Oh, the big lizard thing survived. I'd like to see that in the Obi-Wan series. Yeah. He's to die! Oh, they're all fucked. You stupid. <laughs> You're too ugly to be left alive. How do you have a heart in your head? Yeah, you stupid deck. You know, he was one of the only Jedi allowed to get married. Brilliant. <laughs> Send his widow a ham. I think he had more than one. You can't subvert expectations, just kill Yoda right now. Yeah, it'll make fuck all sense, but sure. The Yoda in um, the original trilogy is a time traveling, maybe Yoda. Do you know what? Had had it been anyone else other than John Favreau working on the Mandalorian, I would have went. Yeah, that is probably how this is gonna fucking work out. You think they'll bring it back? Definitely. Yeah, like I, if we see season three of the Mandalorian and it doesn't have Baby Yoda in it, I will be very very shocked. Because after as soon as I watched that, my immediate thought was. First episode is going to pick up seconds after that, and Mando's going to run after Luke and say, you know, give him, give him back. No, I think he'll go off and get trained. But, like, I, I don't know how the fuck you bring him back. Holograms. But, um, I, I think whenever he comes back, he'll be more, like, attuned with the Force. Like, unless they do, like, a big time jump or something like that. Or are they going to work in that sequel trilogy bullshit? Like, when the fuck... 
No, that still wouldn't make any sense because Luke Skywalker's older whenever Ben Solo betrays him. So I, I don't know how the fuck that works. But I, I do expect to see Baby Yoda again. Little Grogu. That's funny. In the uh, commentary for Attack of the Clones that we did, we suspected his name might be a Google farm or like Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> That, that um, scene with Soka and Grogu, where you learn that he was in the Jedi Temple, that's how you subvert expectations. Oh yeah. Like The Last Jedi. Fuck The Last Jedi for that shit. Fuck that movie. Oh, Jimmy Smith! Yay! I like about Jimmy Smith. He's in Rogue One! <laughs> His fucking um, speeder is so badass. It's like a nice 1950s car. Yeah, but I can't kill you because you're a Jedi, but we just need you to fuck off. McClunky. <laughs> fucking McClunky. Hey, it's George Lucas's son. He was probably another yes man. Oh, don't you know? Dad, I want you to put this shit in the movie. Yeah, I want to see in the movie. In all fairness, if I was George Lucas's kid and I was that age, I would have been like, yeah, I want to be a fucking Jedi in, in your Star Wars movie. I want to swing a lightsaber about. I'll be cool forever. Yeah, that's probably how he wrote the movies. He asked his kids what they thought he had. Yeah, and the kids are sitting on the floor playing with Star Trek toys, going like, Dad, fuck off. Put Worf in the movie, <laughs> I want Worf. Yeah. Can, can you put Worf in the movie, Dad? I'm sure Michael Dawn would be up for it. Yeah, he's, he hasn't got much else going on. Just cashing those uh, TNG uh, residuals. Isn't that every person in this in these fucking movies? Just an emotionless robot? You're right, except that Data has more emotion. Yeah. Well, actually, that Wookiee right there looked like a Klingon almost from the Yeah. It needs, he's, a, he's a Klingon that needs a shave. I was um, watching some of your reviews of the 5.5-inch Dr. Lucy. Oh, yeah? And I was thinking, like, if they did a 6-inch line, like Hasbro and Marvel Legends, I would buy the shit out of Don't they already, like the, the Marvel Legends series? Not Dr. Who, though. Oh, yeah, no, like, if it was, if it was Dr. Who and, like, done properly. Fuck yes. Because, like, those character options figures, like, even by today's standards, they are vastly outdated. They're somehow worse in many ways than the Star Wars ship from the Yeah. No, like, they're fucking terrible. I mean, 
they were great for 2006, 2007, whenever they first started coming out. They peaked around 2009, I would say. And ever since then, it's just been like crapper quality, really shit returns. My, my biggest problem with them is that they're not even sold in proper shops anymore. They're sold in B&M bargains, which tells you all you need to know, really. It's just, it's so sad. And the worst, the worst part is, a great amount of the fan base defend them. And go like, oh no, these figures are fucking great. Look, we can get a figure from a character that was released in 1974, yay. And you're like, yeah, that's fine. But where's the new stuff? Like, the, the, there's fucking nothing. And then the, the worst part is, being a, a like a, a toy reviewer that's known for doing Doctor Who, like, you, it breaks your heart because there's all these comments and people going like, why don't you review Doctor Who stuff anymore? And it's like, it's not because I, I don't want to, it's because I can't. There's nothing new out. Yeah, but there's that Invasion of the Dinosaurs set that came out. And it's like, I don't want to talk about something that, that was made in 1974. I, I know fuck all about these characters. I don't want to buy these figures. And if I did, they would be shit quality and they're all reused parts. So I'm essentially reviewing the same thing I've already reviewed. You know what the detail's gonna look like. You know what the articulation's gonna be. The only thing new is the head sculpt, and even then it's not accurate 100% of the time. So there's no point. I think the real problem is the lazy system. I don't even think it's a sense of being lazy. I genuinely feel bad for character options. I've given them so much shit over the years. But I feel bad for them because I don't think they've got the budget anymore for Doctor Who. I think that like, they've just been cut down that much that all they can do is remould old figures and repaint them to look slightly different. Do they make anything other than Doctor Who? The, I know they made Peppa Pig stuff for a while. They, like, they, they make actual like proper kids toys and that sort of thing. Because I, I, I saw an advert recently. It's like Hexbug, because Hexbug make a lot of the BattleBots toys now, but like they make other things as well. Uh, they have the little Hexbug Nanos and all that sort of thing, and, and they sell like hotcakes, because that's what Hexbug are known for. But with character options, they just seem to be... Like, the biggest thing that they're known for is Doctor Who, and they make other toys that, yeah, kids will play with, once in a while and get bored of, but there's nothing ever themed. Yeah. It's surprising that their biggest, surely their biggest IP is their worst stuff. But on top of that though, like, I don't think there's the market for it anymore. I think Doctor Who's dead. Or essentially dying anyway, because like the, there's no demand for anything like 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 the, the the fan base just have reached this point of apathy now and that's what i was so desperate to try and avoid like whenever i did the reviews and i was like this is crap and i was getting so much hate for it i was going no 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 you have to understand if you think this is okay then you're telling the company that it's okay and they're going to release more shit that no one's going to want and this is the stage that we've reached, where no one's interested in buying Doctor Who figures anymore. And if they are, they're either adult collectors like myself, 
that just go, oh, well, it's something new, fuck it, I'll buy it anyway and make a video about it. Or, like, I, I, I genuinely can't recall the last time I saw a kid, like a proper kid, get excited and go, oh my god, a new Doctor Who thing, this is fucking class. I think that stems from the fact that the show itself is less kid-oriented. I don't know what it is. Like, the actual Doctor Who now, whenever I watch it, I'm like, I don't know who this is for anymore. I don't know if it's for kids. I don't know if it's for adults. Because like, there's some episodes you watch and you go, okay, that was enjoyable in a Saturday morning cartoon type of way. And then there's some episodes that you go, this was boring. And I just, I don't understand what the fucking mentality is because... Like, the BBC just seem to take things that are genuine hits and tamper with them and destroy them. Like, another show, I was thinking about it last night, even, like, Top of the Pops. I used to love Top of the Pops as a kid, and it barely exists anymore. There was a, a great kids' news-type show called Newsround that I, I hadn't watched since I was a kid, to be fair, and it, it just it popped into my head last night, and I was like, oh, I wonder if Newsround is still a thing. And I looked it up, and it was just dog shit. Like, I, like I don't know what the fuck has happened. Genuinely, over the past twenty years, the BBC has destroyed itself. They like even Top Gear. Like they take some of the biggest hits they have, and they just fucking butcher them and ruin them to the point where there's hardly any audience left. If you could get your hands on Doctor Who, what would you do with it? I'd turn it into The Mandalorian, if I'm being honest. I'd turn it into Mandalorian meets Firefly. I would have a bunch, like, I would have the Doctor being a, a, a proper eccentric character, because I watched Matt Smith again recently, and I forgot how good of an actor he is. He's genuinely incredible. Uh, he can turn on a dime, he can do the rapid-fire dialogue, uh, the emotions that he can convey within a heartbeat are extraordinary. And I would, I would pick someone like that to be the Doctor. And I would have the companions not... Like, maybe one companion is from present-day Earth. And have a character like Leela, maybe. Or, like, an alien. Or, like, a proper badass like Captain Jack again. Because I think that's what we're missing. We're missing the badass characters. We're missing someone that's genuinely well-written and fucking cool that can do the things that the Doctor can't. And I would have it be fucking mental. Like, the the one thing that stood out to me whenever I heard that Chibnall was taken over as a showrunner was that he wasn't afraid to use the TARDIS. Because there's episodes where halfway through, like, the Doctor gets bored and goes, fuck it, come on, we'll go off and have a mini-adventure. And they get in the TARDIS fuck off, have a mini-adventure, and then in the same episode, come back to finish off that story. And I was like, yeah, brilliant, that's exactly how you should do it. But I, I think Doctor Who works best whenever it's pulpy, like, soap opera-style madness. Like, I love the David Tennant era because it was that. It was big, bombastic, crazy stories. And then you cut to the... Certainly with the start of Peter Capaldi... And now with Jodie Whittaker, they seem to be trying to go up against big mainstream drama. And it's like, Doctor, Doctor Who doesn't work like that.
I hated Series 8. I just, I couldn't get into it. it. It felt very drab and maybe the way it was shot, I don't know, but I just, I couldn't get into it. Series 9 I enjoyed and definitely Series 10 was great. But ever since Whitaker's taken over, just every episode just feels so flat. There's been rare exceptions, but they're the exception and not the rule. I, um, the characterization of the Doctor seems wrong. Like, she's not, she doesn't seem sophisticated. There is no characterization. That's the big problem. What Jodie Whittaker is doing is an impression of David Tennant with bits of Matt Smith thrown in. She's not her, she's not the Doctor. Like, there's been, for me, there's been no big defining I am the Doctor moment. Like, you need to get your audience on board right away, right from the get-go. And if you don't do that, then you're in trouble. I think that's what makes the last four so great, is that, you know, Eccleston is different to Tennant, Tennant's different to Smith, Smith's different to Capaldi. Um, yeah. There's a real dichotomy between their characterization, even though they're exactly the same person. Just with, with Jodie's doctor, she's just... It's an actor playing a role. Rather than just the character. Yeah, that, that's the issue. Like, um, I was thinking about it there recently, and... <clears throat> Eccleston is a good actor playing a role. He's not, he's not the doctor, if you know what I mean. Tennant is a fanboy playing the doctor. Smith, I think, is the only one, like, of the reboot era to me that I go, that's the Doctor. Like, he, he doesn't, he, he just fits so naturally into the role, if you know what I mean. Like, and then with Capaldi, again, another exceptional actor playing a role. With Jodie Whittaker, she's just an actor doing a job. Like, the, there's no passion to it. I, of of the reboot era, I actually think Capaldi is my favourite. Capaldi, yeah. Why is that though? Because for me, I just kind of see him as like a great actor, not really being given much in terms of the writing, but he's giving it all in terms of performance. And I, I think that's exactly why. He's, he clearly cares about the character. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, like, to me, what what makes a, a, like a, an actor stand out to be the Doctor is their ability to sort of dissolve into this role. And Capaldi never really got there for me. He did sort of toward the end, like particularly Series 10. I think he's at his most Doctorish in Series 10. But Series 8, I hated that whole 
oh, am I a good man? Uh, I'm a bit of a dick. I'm a bastard. I don't give a fuck. Fuck you. That that kind of attitude that he had whenever he first regenerated. I was like, nah, this, 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 there's something wrong here. It, it doesn't feel right. It feels like he's being written as a cantankerous old man because he is slightly older. Like the, the actor that they cast in, in Peter Capaldi. But for the most part, yeah, like I enjoyed Matt Smith because he could just disappear into the character. Matt Smith is great, I agree. Um, in fact, the first episode of the show I ever saw was um, the one with the Weeping Angels. I can't remember what it's called. What was it? Sorry, you're very quiet. The, the very first episode of Doctor Who that I ever saw was the Matt Smith's Weeping Angels episode, the first one. Oh, Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone. Yeah, 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 that's a great two-parter. And then was the Silurians after that? Mm, yeah, the, the next big kind of two-parter was the Silurians. There was um, Amy's Choice, I think, was in between those. And then there was another one as well that I forget. Oh, Vampires in Venice. Oh, right. I didn't like that. It's, it's not too bad. Like, the... Yeah, there's a lot of episodes that I remembered, like, at the time. Like, Beast Below, the first time I saw it, I fucking hated it. Because it was coming off the back of the 11th hour, which is arguably one of the best Doctor Who episodes ever made. And I was like, oh, God, you dropped the ball so quickly. What the fuck? But, like, re-watching it again and actually giving it my full attention, I was like, do you know what? Not that bad. A mess, yes, but still enjoyable. A lot of people complain about Moffat, but he did some great stuff in those early Matt episodes. Yeah, without a doubt. He let he dropped the ball, but Oh yeah, he, he dropped multiple balls all over the fucking place and never picked them up again, that's the problem. He dropped so many, I don't think he has testicles. No, he doesn't. It's just like an empty scrotum blowing in the wind, like a windsock at an airport. But, yeah, but like for, for the most part, I really enjoyed it. And he's responsible for not only my favourite post-regeneration episode, which is the 11th hour, uh, he's responsible for one of my favourite Christmas specials as well, uh, A Christmas Carol. Yeah, that one's pretty great. Too. Did you like the 50th anniversary? I enjoyed it, yeah, I really loved the Day of the Doctor. I wish we had been able to see more of John Hurt in that role. Yeah, definitely. And it sucks that he's, he's uh, passed on since then, because I would really love to have seen him. See, as much as I like the War Doctor, and I love John Hurt as an actor, I would have killed to have seen Eccleston. Yeah, well, apparently he was... Asked if you wanted to come back. Yeah, but it's, just, it's unfortunate there was a lot of bad blood there. Yeah. But, but hopefully, you know, like, fingers crossed for the 60th. Are they gonna do If something? we get a 60th. Well, that's what, two years from now? I don't know, man, like only eight episodes of Doctor Who this year. Really? Yeah. 
And I know the, the like the pandemic has affected it and yada yada yada, but I don't know. I like I think Doctor Who's on the way out. Like that's why me and Anthony have been working so hard to like try and get us known for something that isn't Doctor Who. So like we're we're doing the BattleBots reviews and stuff, and like we're looking into branching into other things just to try and keep the channel going once Doctor Who ends. Do you think it's a case of? It'll drop off for maybe a few years. They get a new showrunner and it's re-rebooted. No, what I think will happen is they won't commission a new series and they won't announce it's been cancelled. They'll say something like, oh, it's taking a break or we're taking a rest. We've been doing this since 2005, yada, yada. We're going to take a break. And the fans, being the fans, will go, okay, brilliant. And then... As each year goes on, they'll be like, okay, but when is it coming back? When is it coming back? And you'll just hear nothing from the BBC. They Surely they would continue the audio drama stuff. The audio dramas, yeah, because Big Finish are just knocking it out of the park with everything they do. The magazine, the comic books, yeah, they'll still be a thing. The actual show show itself will just disappear. Which sucks. Because there's so much more they can still do with it. Get the big finish lads in. That's what I would do. Like, honestly, if I was the head writer, if I was the head producer of Doctor Who, that's what I'd do. I'd be like, get the big finish lads in because they know what they're doing. They know how to tell a competent story. And that's what Doctor Who's majorly lacking. I think, realistically, what they'll do is the big final knock it out of the park type thing they'll do another trial of the time lords they'll do another like big long series event and if that gets bums on seats it'll keep going but they have to do something huge here and if they don't it's dead I feel like one of the big problems with New Who is the, the series-long story stuff, because it works so much better as individual self-contained episodes. Yeah, yeah, I get that, and like, and have one thing tying them together, like the Bad Wolf thing, the Vote Saxon thing. That's fine, but like the one thing that that made me go uh with Doctor Who was series six with uh, Matt Smith's second series with the death of the Doctor thing it just felt like it it gave the entire series a big weight that felt like it, it was pressing down on you as a viewer and I didn't particularly go for that I think Doctor Who needs to be a bit more light it needs to be fun and you shouldn't have something like the death of your main character hanging over an entire series did he, did he actually ever die in that? No, they did this whole bullshit fake-out thing where it turns out he was inside a robot that looked like him. And it was the robot that got killed. Big Dave. Yeah. See, I had a thought the other day, and if I, had my, if I got my hands on the series, it would be, first episode is the Doctor being cremated, then dead. But then the companion goes back in time and pulls the Doctor out of time. And then the rest of the series is dealing with the ramifications of the paradox of everything. 
Yeah, I can dig that. I think it probably falls into that a bit too dark category, but you can still try and make it work. Yeah, but the important thing is to do something that's a bit radically different. Like, I really think what they did with uh, the, the whole Timeless Child thing, I think that has huge potential. And I think that's something that's going to lead into the 60th anniversary. Where, like, you need to work out what the fuck is on the other side of that portal. Where did the Doctor come from? What universe is that? I think that's something that is probably going to be the focus of the 60th anniversary, maybe. Was that Series 9? No, that was Series 12, I think, was the most recent one. I've only ever seen the first episode of Series 11 when it was done. Alright, well, they've set up this whole big thing where, like, it turns out the Doctor isn't actually a Time Lord, she's not Gallifrey, and she's from an alternate universe or some shit. She's the reason why Time Lord Society was created. And I think it's going to turn out to be something like this whole big different thing. But a lot of fans saw that and they were like, yeah, we're done. We're done with this fucking show. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's not over yet. They've only set that up. They are planning to That sounds like a very definitive ending yeah. Anyway, this movie's still going. Yeah, but we're at my favourite part. Glow sticks battle. Yeah. I appreciate the choreography in these movies, but it's detracting. Yeah, it's it's very much a dance. Like I think one of my favourite ever lightsaber fights is from the end of Force Awakens. Because it just feels so guttural and raw. Like, it actually feels like two people swinging swords at each other, whereas with this, and particularly with the Yoda and Palpatine shit, it just, it feels, like, too perfect almost. It feels like a dance. I think my two favourite lightsaber fights are the ones between Luke and Vader and Maya and Jack. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. But, like, outside of the, the core trilogy... I think the, the Rey versus Kylo Ren fight from Force Awakens is probably the closest that we've ever gotten to a genuine proper duel. Well, and there's not even a lightsaber fight in the last year to talk about, is there? No, 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 not one lightsaber hits a fucking other. What a stupid fucking movie. Jesus Christ, two hours of like watching the world's slowest car chase. That, I like the lightsaber fight in Rise of Skywalker when they're on the, in the Death Star ruins. Yeah, but still, it was a bit too big and gaudy and overblown for my tastes. Like, I, I preferred it whenever it was more emotional, like it was in Force Awakens. And again, another thing, like, I've, I've talked about it to death at this point, but, like, that's the thing that was lacking in these movies was emotion. Like, the, the, there's fuck all there for me. Like, they're just two dickheads swinging laser swords at each other and choking each other out. But, you know, like, I don't feel anything between these characters. Yeah. It's strange considering how much the original trilogy is driven by emotion. Yeah. Like, w with this, it just feels like 
maybe it's done on purpose that they're both sort of pulling their punches but I don't think George Lucas is clever enough to realise that that's a thing that could be happening like especially with Palpatine and Yoda like what the fuck is this Like, uh, like, really, the, like these two should be the Grand High Masters. And it should be the reverse of the Dooku fight. Like, Yoda should never, ever ignite a lightsaber. It's fun, yes, but it doesn't make any sense to the character. This should be a massive force duel. Whereas the younger, the, the, the Padawans, the apprentices here, are the ones that are all rage and emotion and, and physical. for some reason and we're into the bum 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 remember that remember that from the, the end of Phantom Menace well it's back for some reason this part of that movie I think that is that just the problem with these movies is that just they're best remembered for the action and it's not even that but just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. That's the moral of Jurassic Park. Yeah. See, this shit's okay. Like, whether you're using force powers to throw the balconies at each other, like, yeah, that's grand. But the actual lightsaber duels were just... It was just, really, what the fuck am I looking at? It's really just one big um, cockfight. Yeah, they're just comparing the side Pretty much, yeah. <coughs> like, this shit's good. Like, the, the Force Lightning stuff is fine. It was just whenever it was the, the actual lightsabers themselves, it was just, what the fuck? It, like, what? I look like it hurt. Yeah, that's grand. That's grand. I, I dig this stuff. Oh, we're back to the lava planet. I used to try and mimic this sequence on a garden wall with my friend. Yeah, it was fun. I still have the scars. Wanna know how I got these scars, kids? I was mimicking this scene from episode 3. Just sad. Yeah, it really is. At least you had Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> People I bothered enough to go, look, take this plastic toy and try and hit me with it. Let alone that, but people that did it. Yeah. <laughs> There's something very off about that shot of Yoda crawling through this vent system. I can't tell you what's wrong about it. 
Yeah, is it the angle? There's just there's something not right about it. Yes, we have destroyed the Senate. Now, more evil. It's just too big, isn't it? It's just, just, it goes on way too long. It's, like, it's pretty much the rest of this movie. Like, you'd be dead if this happened in real life. Like, you wouldn't survive the heat. That was totally just stock footage of a volcano around. Yeah. I know they actually, they went out to Iceland and stuff to film volcanoes, I think. Well, maybe it wasn't stock footage. Fuck! They're space wizards, forget about it. Go on Yoda, do a little Yoda jump. There you go. Why? Why must you go into this? Because he's failed. He, he can't immediately like take steps to try and fix this cluster fuck he just goes no nah, i'm failed i failed yeah gonna hang out and go mental in a forest for the rest of my life i mean we all know the actual reasons because that's where it is next no it's it's mainly because yoda has had a lot of allegations put toward him lately There's a lot of younglings that have come out saying that he's uh, he's been doing some cast and couch shit with them. Not in the right mind, though. Yeah, well, see, you know, Yoda had to go into exile, otherwise he would be found hanging by his neck in the fucking prison. Yoda didn't kill himself. Yoda knew too much. Look at this shit, man. What the fuck? Do you think Yoda had a Starfighter called the Yoda Express? <laughs> Jesus lived. Maybe Yoda was on that plane with the Secret Prince. <laughs> maybe a president. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, see that—that's the trouble. Like it's, uh, it's Skywalker Island, isn't it, in the sequel trilogy? That's where they're all heading. And maybe Yoda managed to escape. Ewan McGregor looks evil there. Look at his big dark eyes. Again, shit dialogue. Yeah. Like, you should be really trying to convince him, like, like, look, I, I shouldn't need to convince you about this. Like, we have evidence. Just put the fucking laser sword down and talk to me for a second. Because this isn't going to end well. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're in the middle of a lava river trying to fucking murder each other. This isn't going to end well. It's clouded by the dark side. Such bullshit. 
I have the high ground. I have the memes. It's impressive he manages to cut not only his legs off, but also an arm as well. He should have said, don't do it anymore, or I'll cut off your arms and legs. Yeah, no, Anakin, you, you're going to do a die. If you jump, I will fucking cut the shit out of you. A lightsaber is a reminder of better times. Um, I think he took it because he knew that Anakin was going to have a kid. And he was like, okay, well, this fucking thing has been used to murder people, but it's also been used for good as well. So if I take this and give it to your kid, I can go, look, your dad made some fucking bad choices, but I can give this to, to you and you can then maybe right those wrongs. Like there's, there's a lot of symbolism behind that lightsaber, which I don't even think George Lucas realized. Like, to be fair, the sequel trilogy tried to do something with it, and I could see what they were trying, but again, they were trying. They, they didn't really accomplish anything. The lightsaber is actually the main character. Do you know what? It probably is, yeah, because the first time that version of the lightsaber appears is this movie. Like, Anakin's made a prototype sort of version of it that he uses in episode two until it gets cut to fuck. And then throughout four, and then the end of five, it's Luke's primary weapon. And then obviously, seven, eight, and nine, it comes back. Yep, I'm gonna hand this to Ray Sky Skywalker one day. She, she should have said, right now, when she was trying to redeem. Yeah, she's, she's taking it back. And then she should have died of being sad. <laughs> yeah. Do you think they'll address you in the Dragon Ball movie series? Um, no, they'll just leave it be. Yeah, but you see, that that's the first of the many forehead wrinkles that Alec Guinness will attain whenever he becomes old Ben. Crazy old Ben Kenobi. Right, you'd be dead. Like, like if, if you had three of your limbs cut off and you got burned to fuck, you would die. How the fuck he's still alive is anyone's guess. The dark side. Oh, his, his will to hate kept him alive. Yeah, fucking George Lucas, man. There you go, you and McGregor has had it removed. Oh, he has had it removed? Oh, shit. I guess they don't have to address it. I suppose because it, it looked more like a gigantic pimple than anything else.
Yes, sleep now. Go to the big sleep. Do or die. Palpatine should have been looking over him and said, What's it worth now? Ah, uh, Jesus is fucked. Right, um... Oh shit, yeah, all my other apprentices are dead. Fuck it, save him, save him. The one thing that makes that these prequel trilogy movies make you realize is that Vader was absolutely nothing to the Empire and Emperor. He was completely fuck all to him. Well, Return of the Jedi spells that out as well. Yeah. Because, like, you see, like, Darth Maul gets cut in half, he doesn't give a shit. He actively encourages Anakin to murder Dooku at the start of this one. And then, yeah, and, and as you said in episode 6, he's like, Yeah, look, kill your fucking dad, join me, it'll be great. Someone needs to buy him a big box of moisturizer for that face. I'm sorry, she's lost the will to live. She's carrying twins, but she's lost the will to live. Yeah, she's just gonna die. Yeah, it's a uh, stage four McClunky. There's nothing more we can do. We're just robots, mate. We don't give a fuck. <laughs> Where's the robot pulling down? <laughs> Secret Beatles cameo. And yeah, you can see what they're trying to do here as well, like the whole birth and rebirth thing. Like, so, so that's fair, but again, did George Lucas have anything to do with this? Was this just like storyboard people going like, okay, well, um, she's dying, he's being reborn, let's match cut. They gave Vader robot time. She's wearing a Lego dress. <laughs> yeah, she is. What the fuck? Like, like, who came up with that? <laughs> I love one of its arms, it's like a big scoop that's perfect for holding a child as well. What the fuck? That's nightmares! Did they have this super ring? I think they had bits of it just kind of sitting in a warehouse somewhere and they were like, yeah, fuck it. Because, like, if you look at his arms and legs, he's clearly wearing something you would use to insulate a house. Just in case. <laughs> in case of what? Yeah. It was like, uh, you know, like an Iron Man. Do you know when, like, he's uh, looking at one of the machines that's rendering the latest model of his suit? It was like that. It was all 3D printed. Well, I suppose it is Star Wars. But it's made of Durasteel. Yeah, it can deflect laser blasts and all this mad shit. It's not the best. 
Gotta love a bit of Baskar. They literally just gave him pure. Oh, it's great. I kind of want one of those little um, Baskar, you know, like the, the panel things that he gets in season one of The Mandalorian? I want to get one of those, even if it's like a little 3D printed cheap thing. I just love to have it and go, yeah, that's my best car. That's my retirement fund. I do not doubt that. See, Hasbro's on the fucking ball when it comes to merchandise. They've actually released a, a replica of Palpatine's lightsaber as well. Yeah, it looks so badass, I really want to buy it, but it's like 300 quid or something stupid. But, like, the blade and all is removable, so you can actually hide it up the sleeve of your dressing gown. So, like, any time, like, say you're, you're having an argument with your other half or something like that, you can go, It's treason then. <laughs> Pull out your little lightsaber replica. Yeah, I, I want to be a dick. Yeah, it doesn't have the removable blade, though, does it? Does it? Oh, fucking class. I need to get a Dookie lightsaber. I like the, the bent handle design of it. And there it is, folks. A moment of silence for the murder of Darth Vader as a character. And then they made him say it in return. Oh, Christ. Because it's like poetry, they rhyme. movie over yet <laughs> can I can I go now <laughs> and, uh, like fuck it's it's been a chore like hasn't it we had to wait a year in between two and three recoup yeah but it's okay because we're still in lockdown yeah, I am. Fucking government. I don't know, like... I don't know what it's like in Australia, but here... I was talking to, a, like, a woman that I know, just on the street, and we both had our face masks on, and I was like, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of used to wearing a mask outside now, and so I was like, yeah, 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 it's really bizarre. I... Because I have asked. I was never able to go out and risk No, it's just really, really bizarre because, um, like, you you find yourself in this weird mentality where it's like, I because I keep my mask in the car, so anytime I'm going out to the shops or something like that, the first thing I do when I park up is just reach for the mask. I think it's going to be really weird, like, once all this is over and the world finally gets back to some semblance of normality again, anytime I do that and I park up, I'm going to be reaching for the mask and it isn't there. It's it's really bizarre, like learned behavior almost.
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm definitely gonna be wearing it for for a good long while afterward. Mainly because I think it looks cool, and anytime I put the mask on, I can't help but do Bane from Dark Knight Rises. Just anytime I'm wearing a mask, I'm just like, ah, you think darkness is your ally? I was born. That's why I'd like to see a supercut of Darth Vader where he speaks like Bane. I'll break you over my knee. <laughs> that should have been his fight with Ahsoka Tano. That's what he should have done to Luke, just picked him up and snapped him over his knee. Yeah. Like have robots come in, give him a new spinal column at the end of Empire. Nah, just give him a robot suit. Yeah. You think um, Leia was part of Yoda's casting couch? Uh, I think she she managed to avoid it. It's baby Carrie Fisher. To be fair, I think the way this looks, and it's clearly CGI, but just with the sky and everything, and, and how this scene looks, I think it's it's probably one of the best looking scenes of the prequel trilogy. She was in a cult. She was in a cult? Oh fuck. A sex trafficking cult that Alison Mack was part of? No way, really? Holy fuck. Well, what a great way to send off this Star Wars trilogy. It's fucking over. Holy fuck, balls, we are done. Thank Christ. Oh, Jesus. Well, I'll tell you what, it has been a fucking slog. <laughs> yeah. So what's, what does this go on? Is this uh, Oak Nuts still? Yeah. Oak Nuts. Acorns. Ay, ay, ay. Why did I ever like these? <laughs> That's a good question. Does not have an answer. I think it's because I loved 4, 5, and 6 when I was a kid. And I was just genuinely excited to watch 1, 2, and 3. I was just like, nah, this is this is kind of fucking lame. Yeah. I like how Hayden Christian's like third <laughs> Yeah. It's mainly because he's not known for anything. Like, he was in that Jumper movie after these. And then he just kind of fucked off, and I don't think he's done anything ever since. I'm at best in this role in 10 seconds. Yeah. He's got billing over Anthony Daniels and Kenny Baker. Fuck me. Well, overall thoughts on this third pile of a trilogy? I hate it. Yeah. I mean, there, there are good moments, there's fun to be had, 
particularly in turn three. But for the most part, it's just these are just one massive mistake. I would rather take a giant dump and stare at it for two and a half hours. I don't know if you're watching this on Disney Plus or not. No, I've got. I'm not watching on the day to day. Alright, I'm on Disney Plus and already they've taken the credits away and there's a massive thing for A New Hope. And it's like, please watch this next. Fucking hell. Yeah, because like, it's big picture of Han Solo and there's Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill's face is hidden by the credits of episode 3. It really has. So, uh, thank you everyone for listening. No worries, I literally had nothing better to do. This has been the weekly podcast that is never, ever, ever weekly. Yeah, it's more annually at this point. It's basically biannual. Yeah. Bye on Sci-Fi Con. Thank you everybody for listening. If you did, let's just sit all the way through this. I can't imagine you did. Thank you anyway. Um, yeah, they, they probably got to the point where we were talking about Doctor Who action figures and like, yeah, click it off. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you for 7, 8, and 9. Bye! <laughs>